I'm Gwen Phillips. And I'm Brianna Templeton. And this is Walk Left, the podcast. And I'm Marty Chidori. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi. So before we start talking about your show in this year's Fringe, An Evening in July, I'd like to talk a bit about the uh, Templeton Philharmonic and, uh, and how you guys came together and under that banner. Uh, well, the Templeton Philharmonic, which is just uh, myself, Brianna Templeton, and the lovely blonde lady to my right, Gwen Phillips. <laughs> and even though our name makes it sound like there's a lot of people, but it's not. It's just us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were actually birthed from uh, Fringe Festival, well, the Montreal Fringe Festival originally. We just signed up on a whim and got in and decided to make something together. And we called it the Templeton Philharmonic. And we had a, a lot of luck with it. And so we uh, ended up performing together ever since. Yeah, we actually, on our first show at the Montreal Fringe Festival, after the run, we got nominated for the Best English Comedy Award for the Just for Laughs uh, Award. So we were like, well, I guess we'll just keep doing comedy then. Yeah, <laughs> originally we were going to do a very serious drama mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, it would be nice to do something super non-linear and mm-hmm. opaque and or not, not opaque. Is that the word? Yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah, opaque. And then we're like, we started improvising. We wanted something more translucent. Yeah, and uh, exactly. And so we we started getting in a rehearsal hall and improvising a bit. And um, the director we were working with, Kevin Matthew, does a lot of work for Second City in the past. And he real- he made us realize like, oh, you guys are mostly doing comedic stuff and mm-hmm. essentially sketches. Why don't you guys do a sketch show? Yeah. We've been kind of veered away from doing comedy. Not that there's anything wrong with, you know, doing drama for four years. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really get a chance to do a lot of comedy, even though that was kind of what we felt was our our strength. So we decided let's do something comedic with with uh, influence of, of theater. Yeah, because we both went to U of T uh, theater school together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With our theatrical background, we decided we wanted to make it flow a little bit more like a play. It didn't really have a through line, but it had the transitions, which we still do to this day. Very dancey kind of interpretive dance, like uh, high energy light transition, kind of crazy dance transition. So that's what we we've been doing that ever since we did that show. Our our first show was basically vignettes where we wear kind of black leotards and we do these comedic vignettes. And in between them, we do kind of tongue in cheek dance transitions and uh, that's been sort of our established style ever since Um, except for this fringe show we're doing a site-specific show set in the 70s and so we're going to be wearing like long opera gloves and very different very different yeah I'm curious about how you came together as a duo Mm. I mean obviously going to theater school it's a very you one opens oneself up in the vulnerability but what how did you guys sort of click did, did you guys know each other before then or was that we we met in theater school we didn't actually get cast in anything together i don't know why mm-hmm. um but i remember in our final year we were lucky enough to do a show in milan italy which was insane which at was the time amazing. we're like oh this is normal and how will life will always be and then <laughs> yeah. we realized yeah, not at all like U of T is very yeah. privileged and we were very fortunate so to we... go on this trip but we uh mm-hmm. we were asked to each of us to create a piece for this uh, collective show that we performed in milan for this futurist festival and so like you do you know yeah. how people do <laughs> that's what we thought everyone did nobody does that and so brianna wrote this this piece which in hindsight is kind of a sketch um about a couple choosing their baby like picking their baby's eye color and picking their like what the baby will look like and 
So and, and Brianna was like, do you want to be in this basically sketch with me and sing like Oh Mio Bambino <laughs> over top of it while working a marionette of a creepy baby puppet? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I can do that. And so I think after that, that moment, we realized like this is something we could That do. established our style. <laughs> uh, I guess. The creepy baby school of theater. Actually, kind it, of. it kind of did. It Weirdly. sort of did. It infor- I, I mean, I know like we don't really like think of that as the beginning of when we started working together. But, but in of, hindsight, yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, we worked on like a couple projects. We're in a group of friends all from U of T. And so we were hanging out and stuff before Montreal French. Mm-hmm. That was in 2009. Or no, sorry, 2011. 2011, yeah. But, we did uh, Politically Correct Bedtime Stories yeah, we, at for Fringe that was Best of a Fest in 2009, I think. Yeah, and we were both in the, the cast of that, and we kind of uh, co-produced it, co-produced I it. Jessica Co-created. Bolu. Yeah. I did the props. <laughs> Jessica Beaulieu, who um, does a lot of stand-up, and she also works in uh, animation development, which is pretty cool, too. Uh, she directed it. And uh, yeah, there was a larger cast in that, and we had a lot of fun. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we just uh, decided to, we hadn't worked together apart from that weird baby sketch in the <laughs> one. But we're like, yeah, let's apply and do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about what's going to be happening on a couple of evenings in July, specifically yes. an evening in July. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a play we've been writing uh, and creating. We, we did a workshop of it at the Canadian stage because uh, we are currently the gym team, the emerging artists in residence at Canadian stage, which is coming to an end soon. Mm-hmm. In February, we did a, a workshop version of, of this show. It was only half an hour long. It's uh, the story of uh, two sort of recluse sisters that live in sort of a crumbling mansion reminiscent of Grey Gardens, uh, I guess you could say. Yeah, and they're planning a party. So the play is kind of split between them reminiscing about their weird lives together and being kind of trapped together in this self-imposed exile in this mansion and then planning a party, even though they're kind of reclusive people, clearly, <laughs> and, yeah. and then throwing the party. Our initial inspiration for the show was this blog post, which sounds very, you know, academic uh, but yeah. it was of uh, photos from this party that was held in 1972 that was thrown by the Rothschilds. And it was called the Surrealist Ball. And Salvador Dali and some, a bunch of other artists and unpaid interns in the 70s. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> designed, sure they were there designed this crazy party. If you look it up, just yeah. search Surrealist Ball 1972 and you will find the craziest images ever. Uh, yeah, this really decadent, opulent, crazy party where like the decor on the tables, there's like a bunch of like baby heads, but then there or, or like the host Helene de Rothschild is in this crazy long blue kind of late evening 60s gown. style evening gown and then she has antlers on her head and uh, people in tuxes, but then they have like their face paint where it looks like they have sky on their face and it's, yeah. it's really cool images. Um, we were inspired by that to yeah. create this show. Yeah, we decided it would be really cool to have something kind of immersive where people could come and kind of participate in a party like that, but have it be, you know, 10 or $12, which the fridge allows. Yeah. So are the are the audience guests at this party or is it yes. what is the... They are. They're, uh, at a certain point in the play, they are, it becomes apparent that you are a guest at the, at the party. And actually from the beginning of the show, you are immersed in the show as if, you know, you have the freedom to uh, walk into their home and observe 
whatever there is lying around. So a photo album, you're welcome to look at it. You're welcome to go through drawers. You're welcome to go through whatever's like, you know, lying around, uh, look through magazines, you know. So it, it will literally be a set, but it's meant to be their home that you're, as an audience member, you are meant to go in and like go through their and explore lives. a bit and, and figure out who these two women are and what their story is and mm-hmm. there is a narrative to it so Gwen and I will be performing scenes as well and then uh, essentially at one point in the play like it's leading up to this this party that they had and then at that point uh, the audience will be immersed as guests and before that they're almost just sort of voyeurs like, voyeurs yeah. and like spirits kind of walking around maybe that sounds like it's like cheap from a directorial <laughs> perspective yeah, yeah. but essentially we're, we're gonna that's part of the structure that I guess we're playing mm-hmm. with, if you're an audience member, you know, when are you a voyeur and when are you mm-hmm. not? Um, so it's a bit experimental. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm just curious about the the process of how you how one sits down and creates something that <laughs> that has this amorphous sort of feeling to um, it. I think this is our like our, our passion is to create things like that are very specific to an era we're very we're kind of historical nerds in that way we love historically accurate films and plays and we obviously saw sleep no more in new york and it was amazing and actually before we did sock dollager people had said to us like have you seen sleep no more and we had no idea what Sleep no more more was but we had already kind of been thinking about this aesthetic this type of show where the audience can kind of explore the landscape of the show and are welcome to kind of create their own we there is a narrative in our show but you there are clues that you know each person will have a different experience based on where they're placed where they were sitting what you know which area they decided to explore first or last or you know yeah and i think uh we're also very attracted to the idea of making something that's experimental and um, interpretive and uh is also a comedy Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's some comedy in, inherent in that when totally. you're making something crazy and, or mm-hmm. unusual. And I mean, and that's not to like laugh at people who take chances in their art. Of course yeah. not. But um, I think Quinn and I, we tend to write something uh, very like dramatic and true as possible. And then we just push it a little bit further and it becomes, yeah. becomes funny. Hopefully. Exactly. <laughs> we, try not, we try not to take it too seriously. Yeah, we take ourselves so seriously like that, that it, becomes, it becomes comedic. I, we yeah. hope. We hope that's what happens. I feel like we're, our process is probably very unusual to other yeah. people. It comes very naturally to us. Yeah. But I think it's because, because we've toured a, a whole bunch and we've been lucky enough to do a lot of sketch shows and things like that and we were roommates for a few years mm-hmm. we've um, just had the chance to be around each other a lot and we're able to to write together and and improvise so we have yeah a few different processes that we use for creating things for our sketches sometimes it'll actually be more like uh, audio based like we'll sit down and improvise a scene and Gwen will have, turn her iPhone on and we'll record it and we'll listen back and be like, oh, what if that, that was work, funny? That, yeah. Or what did we think was funny and is like the <clears throat> most boring thing ever? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll cut back. what we don't like or we'll, if they, we have a character idea, we'll kind of go with that. Sometimes a concept will actually just, if it makes us laugh, I think that often will make it into the show. Like if we just say a concept and we both go, oh, that's hilarious. Like we laugh, then we're usually, that'll usually end up in the show somewhere. Yeah, and for an evening in July, we had been watching some, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but Jalo 
yeah. films, which is the sort of more 70s style of filmmaking where it's uh, super like hyper dramatic, hyper dramatic and <clears throat> hyper sexual and like mm -hmm. hyper violence in there, too. Mm -hmm. And so we watched a few of those, which were clearly not supposed to be funny, but a few of them were really <laughs> funny. <laughs> a few of them actually were one of the funniest films I've ever seen. What was the one? Your the one. Vice is a Locked your, or I your think heart is a, your mind is a locked. I can't. I think it's it your heart is a locked, locked room, room and, and only, only I, I have, have the key. key. That's the that title name of the movie. That sounds magical. <laughs> These are the kinds of movies you were watching and just loving because like it climaxes in the like wife. Spoiler. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of a movie from the seventies. Um, yeah, obscure film from the seventies. Sorry, guys. The plot is she ends up, um, there's all these excuses for like pe people to have gratuitous like love scenes love. together yeah. at like an Italian villa. Yeah. And then this woman, like first she murders a bunch of chickens and then she murders a she, bunch of people. And she pokes her cat's eyes out. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> and then there's a scene where it's just Sorry, like, cat. There's a cat running around uh, right now. <laughs> but uh, um, Gwen's not, de is demonstrating right now. Yeah. No. Um, no. But basically, the <clears throat> the climax of the film, it's like they like the character arc is just so unbelievable and like mm. not earned in any way. Yeah. Um. And then she ends up like push. It's like oh, she's with her husband, her wealthy husband, on a cliff, and like she says like evil glance, and then she. And Brianna and I like ten minutes before she actually does it, we're like she's totally gonna push her husband off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> and then ten, it was it took a long time. Then eventually, she was like da da da, and pushed her husband. We're like, of course. So that kind that of kind of does that kind of give you an idea of the, the humor, influences, the yes, influences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we find that kind of like uh, taking yourself seriously to the point of it being comedic. That to me is hilarious. Like I think it's I love it. Yeah, and I think with movies like that, we just appreciated the the aesthetic and the philosophy of just going as far as you can, you yeah. know, and yeah, <clears throat> and uh, we liked that, and, the, and we're also thinking, oh, doing something of that era would be interesting in the 70s, where we explored the 20s, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, so I think it sounds like it's shallow or wrong, but we kind of tend to start from an aesthetic place we sometimes. Do. We often like have a, a, a concept or an image or an idea or an era. And we kind of go from there. I don't know. The stories kind of blossom out of like images or ideas. We're both really visual people, so it's uh, it's kind of where a lot of our ideas blossom from. Yeah. Like, like Softdolager, the 1920s one. I I don't know about you, Gwen, but for me, most of the influence was like, oh, I want to wear a dress like this yeah. from the 20s. <laughs> and then and then you know we depart from that and we explore yeah. Or and... like we went to the Campbell House and we're like, well, we have to have a scene in this crazy room. Like you know, let's invent a let's character. invent a character that'll you know. And I, I as much as people maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in, in saying this, but as much as people like to say that it doesn't I think the space you're performing in always informs your show no matter what oh definitely. no matter what and I think it not like un unless you're you know even if you're in like a presidium or, or a black box you know anything I think you always have to adapt you all you're always improvising and to assume that a show on paper is the same as when it goes up is, is obviously yeah not uh, the case and and we tend to always we're always open to adjusting or improvising around whatever space we're given, whatever characters come to, you know, whatever characters come out of improvisation, whatever 
um, set pieces uh, inform the scene, you know, we kind of work in that sort of way. Yeah. So we've been writing this play around, or an evening in July, I should say, we've been writing it sort of with that space in mind. Even when we did it at uh, Canadian Stage, the workshop mm-hmm. was just in a, a more normal uh, setting. But We uh, tried to like make it even that though, that show that we did is is a different show than what will be, be shown at Fringe. You know, like that was a preview, but only in the sense that only in the sense of the scenes that we and the characters we were we were performing. Like the, the show itself it will have a different movement and vibe and energy, and obviously it'll be immersive, so it'll be completely different. But mm-hmm. yeah, and our show in the twenties, yeah, like it started off with kind of an aesthetic aesthetic idea in mind and a venue, and then it ended up. Um, being a comedy about loneliness, basically, yeah. in the end. <laughs> I don't know what that... We had a recent uh, review from Mark Mann at Moonion Theatre. And what did he say? He had one... It's like, the Templeton Philharmonic have a tendency to play high-class characters with, like, a... What was it? Like, uh, a cutting... Existential angst, Existential maybe? angst. Yeah, something <laughs> like something, that. I forget. Yeah, something, like, crazy like, like that. that, which is... Yeah, we kind of do. I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Big compliment. Yeah, Thanks, it was Mark. a huge compliment. I, yeah. It was one of the best reviews we ever got. It was great. <laughs> Tell me a bit about the uh, the venue that you're going to be in and, and how you established the relationship with them for this sort of Oh, it was, it was amazing. We, we had this concept. We had this courtyard in mind. We had this kind of idea of what we wanted. And then we went to St. George the Martyr Church, which is in Grange Park, uh, just behind OCAD. And uh, we we walked in and we actually, I think we might have walked into the courtyard and we were just like, this is amazing. It's so pretty. It's and so... that was in like February. And now that there's grass and stuff, we're over the moon. And, uh, and it was just, it was perfect. We knew that it was the perfect spot for what we wanted to do. We had already, we had uh, this idea of, you know, this kind of grandiose kind of space and um, something that could look like a home, could look like a garden of a house. And then when we met the minister, mm-hmm. Simon Bell, he he's honestly the nicest man I've ever met in my life. He He's just so kind, so supportive, so so involved in the arts and like he just, he, he loves just supporting art, artists. That space is also sometimes known as the music gallery. There's music a lot gallery, of uh, yeah. concerts, although I think that that's more like that's the more in the sanctuary. Um, the I sanctuary, think. and we're using the parish hall and the garden itself. So mm-hmm. in July, it should be nice mm-hmm. and warm and pretty. And it's fun to do right. an outdoor show, even though it has its own challenges. If it rains, we're screwed. No, yeah. uh, we'll we're actually also having a liquor license, so people will be able to grab a cocktail of the era. And walk around the gardens and explore before the show begins. And if they want to get a drink before or after the show, they're welcome to do that as well. Mm-hmm. It is 19 plus because of for the all those license. eight-year-olds listening yeah. to this. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's not a You can't go to see Ninja theory. Turtles and then immediately go see our show. Damn it! <laughs> there might be a bunch of standing in it. It is an accessible space as well. So if somebody is using wheelchair, then that we can totally accommodate mm-hmm. for that as well. There will be some strolling around and things like that. And some there will participation. Be there will be seats if, you know, it's not all standing. Um, there's a bit of moving from area to area, but... Um, but there will be some standing at least. Yeah, yeah. And also audience participation. We don't mm-hmm. want to give too much away. Again, sure. we're not going to force people to participate. No, but, but uh, um, there's there some... are some scenes where the opportunity is there. If you are interested, you can participate. <laughs> you particularly. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think the whole, well, not the whole point, but I think a lot of the point of, 
uh, site-specific play is something a little bit different, something where you don't go in and sit in a seat and have a program and, you know, and sit there for the whole hour and watch a show, you know, like, which is obviously great. We've done many shows like that, obviously. But uh, I, the whole reason we pitched this show, because uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but the site-specific portion of Fringe is an actual process where you pitch the show to Fringe and they, like, you know, they tell you whether or not they think it'll work or not. So I think the whole point of it is to really give audiences a bit of a different experience. It's more of an experience than a, I don't know, I don't know how you would really phrase that. I think like watching a play is different than experiencing a play or being part of a play or every person's experience of a play is always different but it's like if you're actually physically doing things or moving around a space or feeling like oh I got something that this person didn't get or I saw something in that corner that that person didn't see or I've actually been able to sit on this seat where that actor was just sitting and I'm able to move around and, you know, feel part of the show. That kind of voyeurism and kind of strange breaking boundaries, I think, is something that some people don't like it at all. <laughs> I know that some people don't like that feeling of being involved in a show or being part of something, but I know that that's something that if you love immersive theater, if you love site-specific theater, that's something that I, I personally like eat up when I'm at an immersive theater because I love detail, attention to detail, and being in a character's space and just seeing where they live and what their life is. And, you know. mm-hmm. and I think we're going to strike, hopefully, uh, strike a happy <clears throat> balance where we do have chances for that, but at the same time, if people would rather sit back sit and back just and take, just it, take in, it in, yeah. there's a chance for that as well. Mm-hmm. So accommodating. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I think also, yeah, well, I, it'll be a really fun time. I think there's a sense of camp in the show as mm-hmm. well, but we kind of want it to be this high glamour that keeps kind of, or the, mm-hmm. our characters are looking for this sense of high glamour mm-hmm. and grandeur and keep failing. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a yeah. fun time. Now, is this some you were, you were you made an allusion earlier to the to the weather possibly being an issue? Oh, is it? I think it'll be okay. I think it'll be fine. The, the whole. Um, no, kind I of, mean, knock on wood, we don't have rain like we had last year. Yeah. What we've been, the fringe. yeah, what we've been um, just going with is if it rains, it rains, and we just go with it. Um, and the the audience does not have to stand in the rain because there are many places you can stand and still see the show without standing in the rain. But if we have to be in the rain, we've decided <laughs> we've decided we'll go for going it. in the rain. Amazing. Uh, uh, mascara streaming. Yeah, yeah, it'll work no matter yeah, what. There's overhangs and things that that um, it'll work that area. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out for yeah. sure. So we're gonna say rain or shine. Rain or shine. Cool. Uh, yeah, might be more interesting to go. Yeah, you never rain. know. You never know. An evening in July, part of the 2014 Toronto Fringe Festival. Thank you for joining me, ladies. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto-based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.